I'm Ash Pemberton, and this is CNX Podcast, the Chiang Mai Community Podcast, where local businesses, brands, and interesting people get heard. I'm trying to build stuff that lives beyond me because I like to develop the people, improve bringing people together and finding the strengths and the opportunities. Does that pay the bills or is that something that you do to give back? I've been hearing the word altruistic a lot lately. I make my money as a seller myself, consulting for other e-commerce and online businesses and content creation. Where are we with Web3? Cowboys come back with arrows in their back. Those cowboys that did the NFT projects and all those scams, the next wave is the settlers. What does the future of Chiang Mai look to you? Southeast Asia, best place to be, whether it's Chiang Mai or Thailand or even other parts of Southeast Asia, I think this is the growth. I just wish the smoky season could get fixed. How would the Simpsons fix it? I think they'd put a massive fan on the top of Doisetep and just blow it back. Hey, hello everyone, and a massive hello to Michael Michelini. Hello. I know that you are a public speaker. I know that you run and host the Cross-Border Summit. You're a podcast host of Global From Asia, which is all about cross-border business. And you have 410 episodes under your belt, plus, plus, because I know some of them weren't actually released and you did some special series. That does show a tremendous amount of consistency and commitment. You're an American national, originally from Connecticut, but you have truly international credentials and you're super active on social media. The outputs that I see are really professional content. So that means you've either got a really good team or you've streamlined your own operations quite impressively. You are the founder of globalfromasia.com, which I found out is way more than just a podcast. Now, you've got your marketplace, which seems to be designed to help others do business. And I feel that a lot of what you do is designed about networking, collaboration and helping others. You're the founder of Chiang Global. Co-founder in the Chiang Mai district. Co-founder of the Chiang Mai district. Thank you for correcting me on that one. The reason for me mentioning that as well was like a whole new aspect of you about blockchain and crypto. For me, you are best known as an e-commerce specialist, living in China for over 10 years and now living here in Chiang Mai with your family. Mike, that is a lot. What out of everything that I mentioned or failed to mention is most important to you? Being a connector. Like you said, bringing people together and finding the strengths and the opportunities in other people. That's awesome. Can I be blunt? Does that pay the bills or is that something that you do to give back? I've been hearing the word altruistic a lot lately. I had discussions with people. I don't do things for money right away. I make my money as a seller myself, consulting for other e-commerce and online businesses and content creation. Can we dive in a little bit more into what an e-commerce seller is? Because I think I know, but I'm sure there's an awful lot more to it. Can you share just a little bit more about specifically what you do? Well, e-commerce seller is one way of calling it. Another way is a brand owner. It could be called private label or PL. It means you put your own label or your own brand on the product, which is what I recommend. Mm-hmm. The reason they're so afraid is it is somewhat easy to reverse engineer product from Amazon listing. There's more and more tools that shows how much they're spending on advertising, their ranking, their sales, even some ideas of where their supplier could be based. So there's this paranoia that they're just another seller of a product that anybody else could do. But I always, always talk about the products I sell. You know, I have meetups here. I bring the product samples, talk about on a podcast. And a lot of people feel like Amazon commoditizes the seller. They just try to make everybody look the same. There's even some jokes about like, oh, which table should I buy? And every picture looks the exact same, except just a different name name or brand. But you try to differentiate through the features or the packaging or the experience or a listing. 
But I mean, a lot of people are just paranoid that they get copied somewhat easily and reverse engineered. How did you get started with Cross Border Summit? Cross Border Summit started from the podcast. People were enjoying it, contacting me, wanting to meet. And I have to credit my wife, Wendy. She says, you should just make a conference. Am I right in saying everyone that came to that very first cross-border summit would have been come from your podcast? They were listeners or associates or people that had heard about this from your podcast? Either from it or referred by it, yeah. And then here we are, 2023. How has that expanded? How has your reach and uh, your audience expanded? It's definitely expanded over the years. And even where I mentioned that, that panel I was on, people recognized sometimes just my voice because they had listened to you know, a lot of audio. And they said it. they had maybe listened to it when I came to Chiang Mai and they were looking for Asia business content and found it and were excited. Cool. It's been a while since you launched a live event, right? since 2019. Yeah. And here we are in 2023. How has it been for cross-border business during that period? It chokes me up thinking about it. There's this mass destruction. Families separated, businesses destroyed, products liquidated, brands just gone. So many have given up or sold. Or there was also this aggregator wave where these investors bought up all these smaller guys and consolidated some bigger ones. Some, in a good way, retired, made seven, eight-figure exits and uh, don't do it anymore. It's a whole new world. I've got to really enjoy your company. Obviously, I've known about you for quite a long time because we're part of the DC, which is the Dynamite Circle. It's a remote, independent business networking and entrepreneurial group. But what I really wanted to do was dive a little bit deeper into exactly what it is that you do and what makes you tick. We're just going to do a quick question round. Okay. If there's something that you don't want to answer, you don't have to. You can just look at me in a funny way and I'll move straight on to the next one. So here they are. How old are you? 42. Kids? Two. Married? Yes. Who to? Wendy. Tell me about her. She's Chinese-born. More the business-minded person of the two. How did you fall in love with her? One of my startups, really funny, we did a lead gen tool on Sina Weibo, which is like the Chinese Twitter, and it would do like mass searching and contacting of people on the platform. And she was one of my leads. Not for dating, but she worked in biz dev for a mobile app platform in Beijing. And I was going there to meet those kind of people. And so she was one of my leads. Cool. What made her fall in love with you? I think she just thought I was so crazy to try to do a tech startup in China as a foreigner didn't speak Chinese. No, I think we're both very independent people. Cool. Stronger together. Yeah, stronger together. Awesome. What's the best and worst things about living in China? It sounds, I feel bad because Chinese people are not free, but foreigners are free in China. Or we actually used to be way more free. When we first came there, we could do anything. Even if you spoke Chinese, you'd act like you didn't speak Chinese and you could kind of get away with anything. I mean, I, of course, there's limits on that, but you were, and that's why Chinese people would not like foreigners because we could kind of get away with things. Stuff that they can't. And that was the best. Of course, right? I mean, it's not about race or stereotypes, but it's uh, the person being able to get that privilege is pretty awesome. Sure. You're getting freedoms that the nationals don't get. Yeah. So what's the worst side of that? I guess, especially men are jealous. People would try to deceive you. But I guess it happens anywhere, but especially they would try to use you. I can go through some stories. Like I was part of the first co-working space in Shenzhen, China, and there was people that would want to rent the space to tell their potential customers that this was their real office. And these are foreigners worked for them. Right. And I didn't know that. But then luckily I had a Chinese partner in that group that found out. He's like, no, no, you got to get out of here. This is not the purpose of this co-working space. Do you say this is your office and all these foreigners are your staff? Mm -hmm. So there's these kind of de deceiving. Okay. In short, the best thing is the freedoms. Well, it's getting less now, but lately it's getting so strict. 
for everybody. So that was kind of the good old days, we all say, in China. I've lived in Chiang Mai nine years. I love it here. And my children go to school here. We're part of a tremendous community. I'm a football coach, business owner. I'm so settled here. What brought you to Chiang Mai? The main thing is I wasn't satisfied with the education of my children in China. The cost, the value, the ROI. Then I didn't want to go back to the U.S. When people have kids, a lot of times they go back to their home country, right? Because they can go into the education system and the support system. I didn't want to do that. So my wife and I left the kids with her parents and we traveled around Southeast Asia looking. We went to Philippines, Chiang Mai, Kathmandu, and Kuala Lumpur. And we picked here because there were so many schools, the environment, the culture. Of course, the costs are very, very reasonable. And the nomads and the internet is so fast. We have a house. It's amazing. A lot of other places you have to stay in like an apartment. You can't really get a house in a lot of cities. But yeah, we picked it for all those reasons. What does the future of Chiang Mai look to you? How do you think it's going to all shape up in the next five or 10 years for Chiang Mai? I just wish the smoky season can get fixed. <laughs> but how, can we not fix that? How would the Simpsons fix it? I think they'd put a massive fan on the top of Doisetep and just blow it back. True. Could we do that? We should. We should. The future, I think, is going to keep picking up. I keep hearing more people, whether it's Chiang Mai or Bangkok or Phuket or other cities in Thailand, more and more people picking Thailand. I've noticed more friends from China and overseas. I see Southeast Asia as the best place to be, whether it's Chiang Mai or Thailand or even other parts of Southeast Asia. I think this is the growth. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Quick fire. Are we ready? Ready. If you were starting out in business today and you needed to make money, what would you do? Do I have the skills I have now or do I not? Starting from scratch today, age, young 20s, not a lot of capital. What would you do to make money knowing what you know? I dig into it. There's two ways. Depends on how much risk I want to take. But I think this apprentice program, I know DC has done that. Of course, we don't want to work for someone else, but it's not like you're just working for a company, but working for like a startup or a small company is doing what you like, what you want to do. And telling them clearly you're like an apprentice. If that wasn't the way, the other way is service businesses is better than product businesses to start with less capital. But I would start a service of something that I want to build out. Because when I try to do something like all the stuff I do, it's still related with e-commerce. Like I sell products, I do events and community about this. I try to kind of build an ecosystem. So I would try to tell somebody to do what you like to do and then kind of like expand around that. Are you ready for a couple more? Sure. These Sorry, I'm longer, I feel. No, 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 no. I called them quickfire and then I asked questions that just it's, you need to elaborate on. So I'm sorry about that. Here comes another one. Where are we with Web3? It's a bear market for sure. There's no question about that. And bear markets is down. But I think people build in the bear. It's one thing people say. And I'm seeing a lot of people building. There's a saying about cowboys come back with arrows in their back. And I think we finished that cowboy phase. Even like the dot-com bubble, right? In the dot-com bubble, there was this huge bubble. And then it popped. And it was dead for a while. And then it popped back. Like Facebook didn't come in the original dot-com. Even Google didn't really come in the original dot-com. They came in the second wave. Those cowboys that did the NFT projects and all those scams, they were the kind of the, the cowboys. The next wave is the settlers. And I feel like I'm the settler. I'm working on a Web3 project for e-commerce. And I've seen a lot on crypto Twitter and they're saying like now the pioneers, I might get the wrong terms here, but the settlers are coming now. And we're kind of clearing out scams and BS. And now we're, I think, build like the next Facebook and Google on Web3. Because those first ones were kind of scams or hyped or maybe they didn't intend to be, but it was too early. And now it's kind of cycling that through. So I think we're going to build the second wave now. Thanks. A couple more? Yeah. What makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Like what motivates you? 
I hire too many people. I spend so much money on people. I hire way more than my revenue because I like to develop the people. Actually, some of them, maybe I'll choke them, but they liked how I pushed them. And then some of them cry because they said they're trying to improve or trying to live up to what I'm trying to push them into, up to be. But yeah, I mean, that's developing them. Uh, and I've learned about coaching or, or business or management is developing people to do the task. You might even talk to some of them in some of our groups. They tell me I kind of like let them see that they could do that, or I gave them the confidence that they could do that. They didn't think that they could do that. Yeah, good for you. And good for them. Yeah. And that's what motivates you more than anything else. I'm trying to build stuff that lives beyond me. I don't know why I think about that a lot, but I try to think of legacy, things that can live past me. And I've read a lot of management and leadership books, setting cultures and values. I think, well, that's one of the best investments. Awesome. Have you been the recipient of this? Have you had good mentors? Have you had great experiences from people that wanted to develop you? Where's this come from? It's a good question. It didn't come, like it wasn't like an original intent, but when I saw the result of developing someone, and there's been some, they stay with us longer because I've invested in them so much. And I'm trying to be almost like an investor in people. As you can see, we went through a lot of stuff I do, and I can't do that myself. So I'm trying to have them as leaders to be able to run those businesses without my involvement mm -hmm. as much. How many people do you currently have working for you? I've been, we're very flexible work, but it's approximately 15. Good. And you come across as a very composed, calm individual. How do you manage your work-life balance? Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I can't even see myself retiring. I read somebody sent me some article about there was no such thing as retirements for many years. I think retirement is still like a new term. Grandparents would work the farms in the old times. And you die when you stop working. That's what this article says. The reason people start to die is they stop working. Or it's not work, it's not really like about like nine to five work, but creating or, or, or exercising, using your brain, not just muscles, but your brain. My habit is mornings, my work time. I work at home. I do 30 minute Pomodoros with a five minute break. It's also called maker management. My morning is maker time and the outside in the afternoon or phone calls or, or other emails. I try to do that in the afternoon. Evening is, I try to be with kids, but I'll squeeze in phone calls. Thank you for being so open and for sharing that with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Ash. That was CNX Podcast. 